0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of uh, Down, Down in the Valley, episode 11. Uh, we got, uh, my name is Edson Ochoa, and you're listening to Down in the Valley, uh, a beautiful game network podcast. Uh, be sure to check them out at bgn.fm, uh, where you can check out other podca- podcasts like the USL show, Chat show, uh, Sock Takes as well, and, and be sure to also check out uh, our sponsors uh, BGN, of BGN. Uh, check out Roughneck Scarfs, the official scarf supplier of the USL, MLS, and NCAA. So, Sean, we're back after a week hiatus, and we want to talk about, we want to start talking about uh, what is, uh, thank What's, you, Harry. We're good. Thanks, Harry. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, I can see it right here. Oh, the...
1: uh, you have it. Po- oh, that's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I can't see it right there, so.
0: Yeah, so, so Sean and I actually went up to, um to san antonio yeah we did yeah and
1: met up with harry up there
0: yeah and i want to give a big shout out actually to to harry for his hospitality absolutely fantastic there. host yeah he he paid uh, for sean's beer and yeah, everything he did. and um good beer yeah great and honestly like he he really wanted to to be be with us hang out with us during the game but uh hit the seats uh beside us were taken so
1: yeah Uh, I mean, you know, it was, it was fine. Uh, He came and sat for maybe 10, 15 minutes during the match and hung out with us for a little bit. Uh, But it was just, you know, it was, it was great to just in general, get out and, and, uh, you know, meet up with somebody other than Dynamo fans, other than RGV fans, um, you know, and just, just hang out and talk, talk Dynamo, talk, you know, talk RGV, talk San Antonio, you know, it was just really good to, to get that experience in general. Um, I don't make it out to a lot of away matches, as I'm sure most people don't in general. Uh, I think the only away matches I've ever actually been to have been Frisco away matches for Dynamo. Yeah. And uh, to say that atmosphere is completely different is an understatement. Much better at San Antonio than Frisco. But that's like, you know, setting the bar really low.
0: Yeah, like, uh, I'm pretty sure Sunday League atmospheres are better than Frisco's.
1: Uh, that's yeah. You're probably not kidding. Uh, I mean, you know, it was it was good. The fans were not, um, you know, there was no, the fans were not rude. There were, um, there wasn't any hostility. Yeah, not, e- not even. Was, yeah, know, and, and I I kind of expected there to be some hostility. I mean, it's it's RGV's biggest rival by far, and you know, to go in there and just be able to chill and and watch the game, enjoy the game, and I mean, you weren't exactly quiet during no. the match, and so you know, and they were they were accommodating and welcoming and. Yeah, it was just good. And uh, Harry, Harry, and I did a scarf swap. Uh, Harry now has an official Peel scarf. Congratulations, Harry! Uh, and I now have a San Antonio scarf. As do you have a San Antonio scarf? Which I know there are some that will be watching this later or listening later, that are gonna they're gonna frown at you for just having this scarf, just having it, let alone wearing it. I mean, uh, even if it was for only the walk into the stadium you were wearing. It. No, you left it in your car, didn't you?
0: Yes. Okay,
1: so he didn't wear it in the stadium. I'll give him credit for that. I did. I wore it in the stadium. I was wearing Dynamo Gear with a San Antonio scarf. It was very awkward,
0: conflicting. Yeah, it was very <laughs>
1: conflicting. But it was, it was you know, it had been my first experience as a USL match in general. Um, and, you know, not to dwell on the match itself for very long, but it was a very good match to me. Um, because, you know, watching it uh you know from both sides there was plenty of activity plenty of uh you know plenty plenty going on both both ways um and it was it was great to see because both teams were you know nobody really necessarily sat back and absorbed pressure you know both teams tried to go for it um and even though that ended up after 90 minutes at, in a draw we'll just ignore that 30 minute after but even though the 90 minutes ended up in a draw it was you know it was it was a fantastic draw it wasn't a wasn't a boring draw by any stretch of the imagination, and there were plenty of observations we both made uh, during the match for sure. Um, you know, we talked about them on Periscope Live, uh, you know, at halftime and then after the match, and then yes, um, we'll go over some of those I'm sure here in a little bit.
0: Yeah, so so I mean, you mentioned that both teams there were they weren't they weren't settling back and trying to see what the other team was going to do. Both teams actually tried to make their their play style be uh, relevant, not relevant, like say in Spanish, imponer. They wanted to impose their play style on the field and make, su- make sure that like, RGB wanted to dominate as well as San Antonio wanted to dominate. And you could see it because there were actually some minutes where RGB w- looked very dangerous and then all of a sudden the momentum, sh- momentum shifted to San Antonio's side and they started coming in. They were really close, actually. There was a, actually a couple of of shots that was act- that were actually cleared out of the line by our defenders, both first half and the second half. There
1: were uh, a couple of moments that were very nervy uh, for the RGB backline slash uh, Matt Sanchez, I believe was who was in goal in that first yes. period, uh, first half. Um, the one real takeaway that I had from this match, and, and I I've, I've had said it to you you know, then, and I'll say it to you again, what Makes me feel good about this match is that RGV held their own for ninety minutes. Yes. Um. You know, last season I don't know if we could have said that RGV would have held their own against San Antonio for ninety minutes. And you know, I asked you the question. Uh, I think it was live. I don't even remember if we yes. were talking about it off. But I asked you the question. You know, is that due to the improvement of RGV or due to the decline of San Antonio? And I asked Harry that same question too. Actually, uh, you know, and and uh, you know, both of you uh you know told me that neither of you feel that San Antonio has declined a huge amount uh but that RGV has kind of resurged to at least come back to you know m- middle of the table if you will type you know level of play if not even higher than that they looked that second half I mean they were stringing together passes in a very comfortable very fluid way mm-hmm. um and, and that was You know, that was fantastic to see. But like I said, I mean, biggest takeaway for sure is RGV was competitive for 90 minutes, um, you know, against a rival and a team that would have last year, you know, beaten them for the full 90. um, Yes. And, you know, made them suffer. So,
0: although, you know what, you know, uh, for the most part, almost all of the games between RGV and uh, San Antonio have been very close, even through even through the the talent disparity. Yeah, even through the talent disparity. And it's just that motivation. But in the long run, San Antonio has uh, uh, this. The past season was much better than RGV, and and you you asked me that question that day, whether it's whether it was because RGV got better or San Antonio got worse. And last weekend, we saw San Antonio annihilate Tulsa Roughnecks five to one Mm -hmm. in a friendly. So, which mean, and I believe that Jose Escalante got a brace that game. Mm-hmm. And so, that was also one of our focuses during the game. What would Escalante do? And honestly...
1: Absolutely nothing.
0: He didn't do anything. The Kai, def- Kai,
1: Kai, I think, was, was defending him for the majority of the time that he was out there. Kai negated just about everything that Jose Escalante brought to that match.
0: Yeah. He yeah, really
1: definitely.
0: did. Definitely. Uh, and, no, we have to talk. Actually, let's... First of all, let's actually mm-hmm. talk about the uh, the starting are we, eleven.
1: Are we going positives first or negatives?
0: No, let's actually talk about let's actually talk about the actual starting uh, eleven starting eleven so for this, the RGV.
1: So the question I have for you and, and I'm sure there will be others in, in watching that are curious as well, the starting eleven that we saw for R G V at San Antonio, is that the same starting eleven for the actual season or no. is that okay?
0: No, because I figured, from, what I we be saw, from what they just released, and we'll talk about that later, what they just released from the official lineup for 2018, there was actually a, uh, there's actually a couple of uh, players that started and are not going to actually be on the team.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know one of them.
0: <laughs> yeah. So let's go ahead and uh, show you what the uh, starting 11 for RGV, RGV was. So we had on goal, of course. We had Matt Sanchez on goal. Uh, so he played for, the, I believe, like the first half and a couple of minutes of the second half as well.
1: Yeah, he played quite a little ways into the second half. Um, and he got I think if I remember correctly, he got pulled after one kind of blunder um, where he he didn't hold on to a ball. That had come to him. Yeah, he tried to, but he just he, he spilled it in front of himself, and it almost turned. Into yeah, a he actually
0: had a couple of those, and, and uh, that was actually one of the plays where it was uh, Connor Donovan that cleared it out of the line. Yeah, Connor and,
1: Donovan looked phenomenal. Yeah, and Kyle Adams next to him was just phenomenal.
0: Yeah, and it was it just I just feel that Matt Sanchez just isn't too confident right now, because that that play you're talking about, he's coming out to get the ball you know, curls, you know, over it, and somehow it manages to slip from his grasp straight to a San Antonio defender. If it wasn't mm-hmm. that he did not get a good touch on it, you would have been talking about, you know, that 1-0 uh, uh, for oh, San Antonio. easily,
1: easily, yeah. I mean, San Antonio had a few chances, but there were, it was remarkable how many times either Kyle Adams or Connor Donovan were there to clear it, whether it was off the line or just prevent the def- the defense. Uh, Opposition attacker from getting to the ball and letting it go out, whatever it was, they were very calm. They were very collected. They were very composed. And, you know, that just signals good things for the season. You need, you need a strong pair of center backs in front of your goalkeeper, no matter who your goalkeeper is. If you don't have strong center backs and, you know, in in front of them, you know, guiding and directing them, then at the end of the end of the match, nine times out of 10, you're going to have surrendered at least one goal. And so the attack would have to, equal how many ever they surrender in this case with kyle adams and connor donovan there i feel like the R- that rgv won't have to necessarily make up those additional goals that they're going to be able to um you know just keep going uh and keep you know focus on the attack but still have the nu- still have the comfort and the um you know the comfort to know that they're not going to have to worry about. Your, Laptop about to die. Yeah. Okay. Still have the comfort to know that uh, even if they do allow a counterattack that Connor and Kyle probably have it covered and we're probably just fine. Um, one of the other things I noticed too, and, and you know, I kind of already called this out about Kai and, and Jose, but Kai looks like a professional outside back to me. Um, Kai, Kai was constantly in the right position, covering, the, you know, covering back when needed. Uh, you know, he got into the attack. Hit, you know, we saw some crosses before. Uh, the match, and then when they were coming at us, that you know, Kai's crosses are just amazing at times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and you don't always have that from an outside back, but uh, <laughs> something else? <laughs> no, no, no. It's plugged in, I can see the light on. Yeah, you're good, it's on now. Uh, okay. You know, but uh, my, my concern, and you know exactly where I'm gonna go with this, my concern was that left back.
0: And let's go ahead and talk about the defenders. Oh, so,
1: man. Here oh. come
0: the defenders. So the back four for for that game was, so we had Kai Green as a right back, mm-hmm. Connor Donovan mm-hmm. and Kyle Adams as center backs. And the guy you're talking about, yeah. Derek yeah. Luke mm-hmm. in left back.
1: So question, is this the starting back four for RGV for the season?
0: It looks like that's actually going to be the starting back four.
1: So you had mentioned that uh, Luke is coming off a uh, ACL injury um, and, and ACL surgery. That's definitely not him. I, I there are you know there are certain things that I can look for, and and that definitely was not him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to say the least. Least. Uh, you know Der- Derek's coming off a uh, major injury and major surgery, and it showed he was a step slow. He wasn't up to game speed. He struggled in you know in defense against uh, strong, fast attackers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he would get beat constantly, uh, and the problem is is when he pushes up and he gets beat, is he leaves the center backs to cover for him? Yes, um, and that was a problem. You know even with the Dynamo a couple of years back, that you know when they were under Coil, it was the same kind of thing. So the the question that needs to be had is is Derek Luke the long term solution there, or are we going to see potentially a Dynamo player sent? Back that might be able to cover for that area. Um, we have, you know, with the Dynamo, you've got George Malky, you've got um, Kevin. Kevin Garcia, uh, who can play left and right back. Um, you've got, uh, you know, Beasley obviously, and uh, Remick,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and then AJD when he gets in. I, I think what we'll see is when AJD is finally fully healthy and match fit, one of George Malky or um, do you
0: not see Kevin Garcia?
1: One of them is going to be sent back.
0: Do you not see um, AJD being sent to RGB to kind of get... I mean, he'll get
1: some minutes, but are you going to move him or Kai to the left? I'm assuming you're going to move Kai to the left.
0: I've seen Kai play to the, playing the left sometimes. Okay, so. I, I,
1: I could see that. That would make some sense. Mm-hmm. So, if you you know, and, and maybe, you know, maybe that's the way to go, you know, once AJD is ready for match, you know, for matches. Send him to RGB for three, four, five matches, especially, yeah. you know, with... Kevin Garcia slash Machado slash George Malkin when he gets back, being able to kind of cover and play right back with the Dynamo solid enough that they can afford to let AJD spend three, four, five matches uh, with RGV.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so so Derek Luke actually played in 2016. He was signed in 2016 by FC Cincy, Cincinnati. He appeared for 20, uh, 27 matches and he obviously he had zero zero goals scored yeah. uh he went to college uh Monmouth yep, the Monmouth, Monmouth Hawks Monmouth. he he had 61 appearances in those four years with three goals but it's going to be a long long climb for him to get back to match fitness because what what we saw that game mm-hmm. you know he, he he lacked you know he lacked the fitness and you mentioned that he looked tired after like after a short
1: oh yeah he did not he couldn't even go a full 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was struggling after 20. He looked tired. Uh, and you could just tell he was coming back from a major injury you know, type of thing. And, and, you know, I have concerns whenever you have a player coming off a major knee surgery and, you know, they're trying to get back, uh, sometimes they push too quick to come back and sometimes they uh, get it. Well, not the, re, you know, the re-injury is a big concern as well, but sometimes they push to get back and they're just never the same. You know, it's not the re-injury, but they're just never able to overcome it. There's always that mental side of things that makes it tough to kind of figure out. And he seemed a little undersized to me, too. I don't know, but maybe that was just me, but he seemed a little small.
0: Well, I mean, we are actually used to seeing, you know, a bunch of tall defenders. And so I really don't think that if you really know what, you do, what you're doing, that it, especially with backs, with outside backs, it's not really that much of an issue. Maybe with center backs, yes, but not, not with uh, outside backs. So so that was, that was the, the four starting defenders. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to head and go with the midfielders. We had four. So we had um, Chuy Enriquez uh, on the uh, left, left wing. Mm-hmm. We had uh, Todd Warden and Jorginho James as uh, central defensive midfielders. And then we, have a, we had a new guy who we don't really have much information on. His name is John Montano, and he is a Colombian, number 12. Absolutely. And you had a lot to say about number 12 that day.
1: He, 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 uh, he, he struggled.
0: he us he leave be, it at that.
1: Might be putting it nicely. Uh, you know, I, there were two players that I pointed out to you consistently, constantly, over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and number 12 was definitely one of them. Uh, and the the left back Derek look that we were talking about was you know was another one. Thank you. Uh, and uh, you know he just man he you know he looked okay for the first few minutes, and then he just didn't he didn't have it technically to me. He didn't have the pace, the speed um, on the ball. His passes were not as crisp. You know he had a couple of moments where he'd link up, and then just a lot of times. He just didn't. He either wasn't putting in the effort, or the match was too big for him, or uh, something. Um, but
0: I, I really want to say that it's the, the lack of chemistry.
1: You know, it, it, it is possible. Obviously, now is he expected to be a starter for RGV?
0: I don't think so. Okay, so I was assuming
1: not. Yes. Hi, Cass. I mean, I guess we could ask Gerson when he comes on later, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. We, we that's why we have him. We're gonna have him <laughs> on. So, guys, be sure to, to share your video with your friends. Make sure to also subscribe uh, to the to the new home of Down in the Valley uh, on YouTube and uh, share it. Give it a like as well, because uh, that's the only way we we can start growing and uh, making sure that we bring you the quality content that you all deserve. Uh want to uh, give a big shout out to the people who are on right now and have, and have participated in the chat. Obviously, with Harry, who we've already talked about, and as well as my dad, mm-hmm. uh, Javier Ochoa. Thank you all for your support. Hola, Papa. May, be sure to share it with your friends. Uh, now I'm wondering where are all my RGB fans?
1: Did you tweet it out? Did you, oh, I
0: tweeted did it you? out like crazy. Maybe uh, they're all
1: listening on Facebook. You're not looking at Facebook. You're only looking at YouTube.
0: Well, Facebook, actually, I had to bring it down. Oh, Yes.
1: Is there something going on tonight in RGV?
0: Uh, no, not really. I actually had I actually had the official uh, Twitter of of RTV retweeted. Oh, you know what
1: it is. We didn't tweet it out. Uh, I don't think it got tweeted out on the peel. That's... That usually helps a lot because you get yeah. a lot of those same people coming in. Yeah, so... I'm sure I'm sure there'll be some people that will come in after the first you know hour or so. They usually trickle in it towards the end, but it is a little weird to only have a couple.
0: Yeah, but. Really appreciate uh, your your support.
1: Do yourself a favor and go ahead and reshare this video on Twitter and everything too. Sometimes sure. resharing it'll help. It just takes one person sharing it to to kind of viral it, as the case may be. Uh, so so Harry, the one question I had for you, uh, and I, I kind of asked you this, but I really didn't know how to word it at the time. Uh, you know, you obviously were at the match. My my question, and, and Edson's gonna not be happy with me because this is a RGV podcast, but. What did you take away as far as uh, San Antonio goes? Were there specific players on San Antonio's side that uh, you know that stood out to you either in a positive or a negative way? Um, I'm, I'm really kind of curious because I don't know San Antonio nearly as well as I know RGV, uh, and I will be intrigued to say the least about uh, what you have to say in regards to that for sure.
0: Dead silence.
1: It's only silent for a few seconds. You're good. We can wait a minute.
0: <coughs> How to add unofficial. There we
1: go. <laughs> You're un-official. That's what you should do. Un-official.
0: <laughs> nice. All right. It is tweeted out.
1: So uh, who's the, out of curiosity, just while we're waiting for a few seconds here, who's the first match against?
0: What's up, Joni? El Presidente is in the house.
1: Who's the first match against this weekend? Uh, St. Louis St. Louis. St. Louis. That's right. That's yes, right. you remember. I remember you saying. Yeah.
0: That. So we'll go ahead. In the meantime, that we have, a, that we get a response from Harry. Let's go ahead and go with the attackers. Yeah. So for sure. we had the attackers. We had uh, Pablo Aguilar. hmm yeah, I'm sure. You so have these were the ones
1: that started the match, right? Yes. So here's what I'm going to say about this midfielders, and with the exception of Jorginho and
0: Todd Warden. Todd
1: Wharton and number twelve, who we've already talked about for negative reasons. Uh, oh, I and, forgot.
0: Oh, yeah, I did talk about you. And because,
1: uh, with Georgine, jo, Jorginho James and Todd Wharton, they looked fine. They looked good as, as D-mids. They looked good as center mids. They were controlling possession. They were controlling the ball. They were cycling the ball when necessary. They fed open players. They, they did well. They did exactly what they needed to do. When it came to the attackers, though, especially the outside midfielders and your two attackers up top,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I really didn't see much. It, it was not – When the second half came around, and whether this is because San Antonio was tired and not able to react and respond as quickly, whatever, and I mentioned this to you, second half, our attackers looked crisp. That ball was flowing and moving and just off their feet really quick. In the first half, we were slow in possession. RGV was just, the, the buildup was just dead to me at times. Now, there were times we counterattacked and got the ball up there real quick. Yes. But there were a lot of times that there was a lot of delay moving the ball into the box, moving the ball up, as the case may be. I did ask you a question, Harry. Do I need to repeat it?
0: Yeah, go ahead and repeat it, just in case.
1: All right, well, let me finish the thought, yeah. and then I'll repeat it. Sure, go ahead. Uh, but, you know, it, what I'm trying to hint at is that I'm curious why Gerson, I mean, and maybe you have clues into this, is Gerson more likely to go with some of those attackers from the second half, or are we looking at the same attack from the first half as your starters? That
0: might actually be a good question for, for him when he comes on.
1: Laying flooring. That sounds exciting, Harry. So, Harry, the question I asked, just because I was curious, because I'm not a San Antonio person. I don't really follow San Antonio. Uh, was there anybody from a San Antonio standpoint that stood out to you uh, specifically, either negatively or positively, for San Antonio Um because, again, I don't know San Antonio. He doesn't know San Antonio as well as you do. You're an avid, rabid fan. Uh, and so we were just curious. You know, you were there. We were there. We figured we'd throw you, an, throw you a bone and let you, let you say something about that.
0: Yeah. So Pablo Aguilar actually looked really good out there.
1: Which one was he? Was he the was he the one up top, up top, or was he no, the one no, no? Out, he was outside? he's
0: like the uh, central attacking midfielder. Ah, uh, okay.
1: Yes, he did. He had he had a lot of good moments. The three central midfielders looked fine. I had no problem with them, and I think that they have plenty of of, of room to grow, developmentally yes. speaking. Um, but the like I said, I mean, the outside wingers and the and the outside midfielders just they did nothing for me. They just really didn't. I wasn't yes. impressed. And at least on s- the first half. The second half totally different situation.
0: Yeah. What I liked about Aguilar is like he was he had the the intelligence to move to move the ball, you know, and carries uh, defenders defenders with him he while turned he turned
1: He turned defenders a couple of times in yeah, He, was, he in, actually in a couple pretty of impressive times
0: impressive ways. He, I think he was the one that got fouled by Mikey Lopez when yeah, he no. got the yellow. Yeah. He just drove him insane. Yeah, he 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 was very
1: he was very pest-like, is a good way to put it. You know, mm-hmm. kind of like that gnat that's constantly buzzing around in the attack. Yes. <laughs> uh, you're fine. You're fine, I think. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, but I I feel like Aguilar is definitely a USL, at the very least, a USL-capable attacking midfielder. Um. <laughs> I really wish we'd have had the video on that. That was funny. <laughs> Sit down. Our dog has decided to join us for uh, this episode of yeah. RGV. All right, down in the RGV. Even if you can't see him, he's down here. I can feel yeah. him whacking me with his tail.
0: So Harry actually responded, and he says he thought the team was solid. He was happy with the connection with Guzman and Guadarrama, Sonny Guadarrama. I, yes. I think so, uh, the Guzman, Ever Guzman, and uh, Sonny Guadarrama actually had a really good connection who was Look,
1: that who was the was it was the last name castillo the short guy with the mask on yes the, oh, he came into the second half. gosh app. he is incredible on service that that guy he's like a freaking rabid bulldog yeah like, that's what he reminds me of like the guy is just i don't know he's he's physical and uh diego who uh diego, yeah,
0: diego Restrepo. No, yeah. No, oh, no, 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 no 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 oh Restrepo.
1: yeah he did Oh man, Restrepo had a couple of moments where I thought we were going to score on Restrepo just because of bad goalkeeping.
0: Yeah, and so the last the last uh, player that we we need to talk about actually we don't really need to talk about him because one he's not in the roster anymore, and number two he really didn't do anything. And that is and that no no Quintanilla he was the he was the other the other striker
1: the other attacker yes Mm -hmm. he
0: was the other attacker and like just really didn't offer any, anything to the team. And you mentioned the second half with the, with Victor Garza coming in. and all. Oh, Victor He's Garza. Everything. Well,
1: I mean, you know, from the moment that Victor came on, and, you you know, we, we called it out. He was warming up before the first half was even over. Yes. You know, he looked much more crisp. He was connected more in the attack. As soon as they brought him on, he was. That That's, yes, Gerson. You can go ahead and answer. And it's time for Gerson. It's time for Late Night with Gerson.
0: All right. So so we'll, we'll, be, t- we'll be talking uh, later uh, about it.
3: Yep. Have Hello,
0: Gerson. How, uh, how are you?
3: I'm doing well, Edson. How's everything going with you?
0: Real good, real good. We're just uh, finishing talking about the, the match that we had against uh, San Antonio. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, we were talking about you know, uh, the, the starting 11, what well, we thought about how San Antonio played, and uh, Sean here was uh, giving, giving his thoughts about it. But uh, welcome uh, welcome uh, to Down in the Valley.
3: Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. So what, what were his
0: thoughts? I, I was not – <laughs> I just
3: got home, and so uh, we were doing some stuff, and so I decided to, to call in. And uh, But what, what were your thoughts?
1: Well, uh, you know <laughs> – Oh, man, put me on the spot. I, I
3: don't Absolutely. Think I've ever, I don't hey, think,
1: you guys are going to put me on the spot. I don't I'm don't constantly I've ever,
3: being put in the spot. I don't, think so, so uh, I
1: don't think I've ever blushed on air, and I'm sitting here blushing on video here. That's awesome. Uh, what, what I was saying, you know, uh, a couple of, couple of players to call out um, that to me struggled a little bit, Der- Derek Luke at left back. Um, and I, okay. I think part of that is just him coming off that injury, uh, getting back to match speed. Um, you know, seeing the game a little quicker. I felt like he, uh, um, I feel like he, unfortunately, uh, he was pressing so high and trying so hard in the attack that there were times I noticed that the uh, San Antonio counterattack would just blow right by him and and it left uh, Kyle Adams, uh, who was playing left center back, and then Connor Donovan left to kind of clean up the mess. Now, don't get me wrong, they did a fantastic job cleaning up the mess, uh, but, you know, Obviously, avoiding that whenever possible <laughs> is probably the desire. Um, you know, he yep. had moments where he tried. Uh, I, you know, and I, and I really don't know what the what, what it was specifically, um, but I just noticed it in the first half that, you know, he, he had a few moments where he was trying to get more into the attack and looked okay. And then there were just, you know, and I had called it out to Edson really even before halftime hit that the more that I saw of him, you know, and and this is just being really honest, the more that I struggled to see him as a long-term starter. Now, I don't see him in practice, so that's just me from based on, you know, one match of really, what was it, 60, 70? No, I guess he played the full 90, um, you know, of watching him play. um, You know, but he did did struggle to me. Now, with that said, I know San Antonio's, uh, you know, uh, right winger slash right right midfielder is a pretty speedy, pacey guy uh, who has some technical Mm -hmm. talent, but – um, you know, it was just – it was a little concerning for me, but at the same time, you know, I, I, I can see where he can be that stopgap option um, until something else comes along. Um, and I don't know, maybe you feel differently that he's a long-term, you know, player at that position. Uh, but for me, he, he definitely, you know, I, I think there's either – either it's because he's coming off an injury and, and there's still room to grow into that position in – ter- not position, but grow into that match fitness – uh, that maybe we need to see, in, you know, in the next few few matches, uh, or um, it's just that maybe his ceiling is not as high as I would like. Now, again, I you know my comfort level when it comes to soccer is MLS. I'm a rabid MLS fan, um, so maybe I have uh, higher aspirations for some of these players um, than USL level per se. Uh, but for me, you know, he just did not at that point in that match appear to be a USL level left back.
3: Okay. Well, he he has he has been um, because of injury coming back. Uh, he had been oh last year pretty much missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the previous year when he played for Indianapolis, in which they had a very successful run, he was the starting. You know, he was the starting left back. Um, with that, I, I agree with you. I think that there was some some moments in which um, some defensive mess has happened, but uh, I think you also have to look at what uh, Jesus was doing defensively. They weren't in tune, and there's a lot of times in which um, in which um, Luke was getting called two v one, which he should have been, and that was just the inability of of, of his uh, suits helping tucking uh, helping out and making things a little bit more obvious uh, on the defensive end. There were it. also times in which uh, central midfielders would make him run uh, deep, and so Luke was getting called in no man's land. And uh, and I agree. I, th- I think that he needs more matches. He needs a lot more uh, continuity. Uh, it wasn't one of the better performances. Uh, and, and at that point, though, uh, when we went back and looked at the film, there were a lot of things that he did well, and there were a lot of moments in which he got kind of just left isolated on an island uh, where he was one against two, and there were even times when it was one against three because other guys were not doing their job. So it's kind of tough to... Uh, And and listen, San Antonio, the players that they have down there are uh, not—they're not too shabby. So um, it was a tall order that we, as a team, needed to be uh, a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Even though we improved, I think on on a whole defensively, uh, that was the one area in which it was a big concern for
1: us. Absolutely. So one other one other uh, thing that I noted, actually, there's two more things that I noted. I did like a lot the center back pairing of Kyle Adams and Connor Donovan. Uh, I thought they were as physical as they needed to be, but not too physical. I felt that they recovered nicely when they had to recover. There were a few mishaps, but, you know, for a couple of guys that haven't really played a whole lot together, starting to get minutes together, you know, Mm -hmm. learning the communication between each other, uh, you definitely could see that beginning to build. Uh, But one thing that I called out to Edson and that he kind of called out to me uh, one thing I've noticed with the Dynamo is you have kind of this pairing between Philippe Senderas and uh, uh, Adolfo Machado. Senderas is the vocal commander on that back line. And what I noticed during that San Antonio match is Connor Donovan is kind of that si- same type of uh, center back. He's very vocal. Uh, he's, you know He's trying to call out to his teammates where they need to be. Uh, making sure everybody's in you know in the correct position depending on who's coming at them in attack or who you know who's pushing up higher uh, you know he was doing he was doing that level of work that I could see and and that tells me even though I already knew this but that tells me from a perspective uh, viewing the match that he is one of those players that he wants to be two things one he wants to be a leader on the pitch but number two he knows that uh, he needs to make sure that that back line, uh, stays stays connected, that everybody is talking and communicating constantly uh, and nobody, you know, he doesn't want anybody not holding their weight um, along that back line and really even in front of him, even into the, the defensive midfielders. And I was just curious if that's kind of the way you perceive him as well as um, kind of that vocal yeah, on it, the
3: back it, line. He's been like that since he was 14 years old. Just <laughs> mouthy. Just <laughs> yaps and yaps and yaps. The only thing is that now he makes a lot more sense if he's figured it out. Um, so we, we've had him uh, when I was the, when I was the coach of the 14 national team. So we've had him. So I, I've had experience with him at the 14, 15, and uh, and with the U17 national team. So I, I've known him for a while. So we had the opportunity to be able to bring him in with us uh, after he's had a, you know, he's also coming out of an injury. Uh, we knew that he would be a, a pretty good leader in the back line. I think that in the back line and our backs are probably uh, is going to be the most competitive uh, mm. position for all of us uh, between uh, we have Kyle. Um, we have Kyle Adams, who's a very good, you know, New Zealander uh, coming out of college, who's just a, a very good defender and a very good passer of the ball. Uh, obviously, we just finished talking about Connor. But then we also have uh, Castellanos, who even though he's 19 and the youngest of the bunch, if you want to talk about talking and being able to organize, he actually is pretty good also. I mean, there's still some things he needs to learn, but he's very, very bright. And then coming back from last year is Omar, who I think once Omar starts opening up and and, and getting out of his shell, talking, talking, I mean, he is he's extremely technical, very hard on the tackle, reads the game well. He just needs to, uh, and I think he understands more. He just doesn't. I don't know if it's just being shy or, or his, uh, uh, it's just his quiet personality. But he's got to come out of that shell. But he's a very good defender. So with us, I think we have four guys who are, uh, I think we're pretty comfortable with. I mean, I think yes, you're right. Right now, the pairing of Kyle and and uh, and um, and Donovan has been working very well. And and even though they've only been. They really haven't been working together a because Connor was with the first team with Houston for the majority of the preseason. So um, it's going to be interesting, you know, which which two and and, and we've mixed them around and 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 all four have played well with each other. So it's it's, it's an extremely uh, exciting part of, of of our defense and and I think it's extremely solid right now with uh, with the addition of all, obviously the other outside backs that are um, that are ahead. I mean, right now I, we feel that. Um, Kai is, is is our starting right back. He's a little bit ahead of, of, of Padilla, but it's not by much. Padilla, is is, is you know he just came down. He's one of our um, one of our draft choices mm-hmm. and extremely talented also. Uh, and then uh, I think Luke is just more experienced and a little savvier than Sullivan right now. Although Su- uh, Sullivan's probably one of the better athletes on the team, so the back line's pretty. It'll be pretty strong, and we'll have options. And, and no one can feel comfortable because if they do, uh, their spot will be taken relatively <laughs> quick. So it's yes. it's a uh, it's a good problem to have.
1: Yeah, I was about to say that sounds like one of those problems. You're like, oh man, I've got to figure out which center backs I'm going to start. Darn, that just oh. sounds so terrible. And our
3: goalies, <laughs> our goalies right now, it's it's going to be a disaster trying to be trying to figure out who's going to play and who isn't because mm-hmm. we feel that we have two quality goalies with Sanchez and Corti so uh you know we have we have won this with the puerto Rican national team who who was training and almost uh almost you know had a contract until he had an injury with d c united and then we have another one who just won three national championships in a row so it's <laughs> uh it's gonna be a tall order, but it's much better because I know that was a, uh that was something of concern by uh by wilmer Paul and then uh you know the the guys coming back uh that our goalkeeper situation wasn't as solid as it needed to be uh Um, so we went out and made an effort to make sure we had a a very good uh, goalkeeper line.
1: Uh, And then one other observation I made during the match, and and I think you'll appreciate this, I noticed the attack in the second half was more fluid, a lot of one-touch passing, a lot of triangle passing going on near the box and in the box, Uh, and and I really liked seeing that. It was a little less counter-attacky just in terms of lobbing the ball forward and trying to get a specific player up top forward like a, you know, what was it, Victor Garza? Like a Victor Garza, but it was flowing through the, uh, flowing through your outside midfielders into the box, um, and it was causing some serious havoc for San Antonio in that second half. They were back on their heels a little bit for a good 10, 15 minutes to once, once those players had come in in the second half. So are those players that came in in the second half, are they more depth players um, or – uh, was that just, you know, in your opinion? Because maybe San Antonio was a little tired at that point, since they hadn't made any subs up till then, uh, and just fresh legs coming on and able to push Adam harder.
3: No, it was fantastic coaching by me. That's what it was. <laughs> no, uh, no, no. It was it was more along the lines. I think a combination of everything. I think we uh, we talked about it. Uh, I think some of the jitters were out of the uh, out of it. We talked to the whole group and said, "Listen." it's, You know, and we have said it all along, this is not about guys. This is still part of of, of us forming ourselves as a team. Mm -hmm. And and it's part about having personality and playing well. I mean, we want to be a a defensive, uh, solid team, but we want to make sure that we have the ball and that we create opportunities. We want to be able to attack. Um, Obviously, you know, you start from the back and moving forward because you can't just bleed out easy goals. Uh, otherwise, you're not going to give yourself a chance to uh, to win games. Mm-hmm. If you just, you know, if you think that you're just going to, uh, you know, uh, out punch someone else, um, I don't think right now we have the firepower offensively, or we're not in, in, you know, we're we're not connected offensively just yet. So, you know, the, the back line needs to be solid. But when we have the ball, we want to make sure that guys are creative, that guys are are uh, feel confident with the ball. Uh, more importantly, that they play in a cohesive unit, using the ball, moving the ball, uh, combining with passes and moving the ball a lot faster. I mean, the ball never gets tired. And, and, and if we can combine with numbers, uh, it's much easier. And so uh, we made it a conscious effort to speak to the group in regards to having that. And just not to panic that if they lost the ball, you know, just get back in the fence. And, 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 and the mistakes mistakes will be made and mistakes are going to happen. And and it's okay. It's, you know, this is where we learn from it. And so... That's why you have these scrimmages. That's why you have these, uh, these games to, to prepare yourself. And, I mean, if we're going to panic in scrimmages and we're going to panic on, on preseason games, then what's this going to look like during the regular season? So, uh, you know, we we got to knock that out of our system. And, and I felt that um, every game we, we, we've done so, you know, a little bit more and more each time. Now it's just a matter of us uh, being able to score some goals, which is obviously the hardest thing to do in soccer.
1: So with that said, that kind of leads into one of the questions that I had, slash, a few other people had. Um, what is, what is the, what is or what is the, what are you trying to instill as the identity of RGV as a team? Uh, whether it's just well, the uh, season or long term, what is that identity that you're trying to instill?
3: Well, the identity is we want to be a, 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 a organized team. Uh, you know, so we want to be a defensively organized team that also likes to keep the ball and attack, and and we want to be able to score goals. We, I mean, I want to, uh, mind you, fellas, uh, I was an offensive player, I was an attacking <laughs> player, so I love goals, you know, but I don't like giving up goals. I do not believe, you know, bleeding goals out. Absolutely. So, and and that also goes through the with uh, with what we're doing with Houston. Uh, we need to mimic what they're doing, the way they're playing, where they're, they're organized, but they want to keep the ball and attack. And, and that's something that, uh, you know, we've seen. I mean, they've scored five goals in two games and even throughout the preseason. And and so, you know, they were able to. And even the game they lost last weekend uh, against uh, the white, Whitecaps, they outpossessed, they outshot, they had more corners, they had everything. And that's where we want to be, uh, you know. And, and, and that's what we're trying to mimic because, you know, we want our guys uh, to be able to entertain our, you know, our fans, but also be prepared themselves to to play uh, whenever they move up to the first team in Houston and and just you know blend right in.
0: So going going back another question that was actually asked uh, by the fans. Um, actually, one person asked, uh, is asking what it will be the main focus of our outside backs, or is it going to be to join the attack, or will it, or will they stay back and defend?
3: No, no. Every every position has certain responsibilities. So mm-hmm. when when you're a defender, you're primarily you're, you're you're primarily you a defender, and through good defending, then you earn the right to attack. Mm-hmm. So when we're when we're solid and and we uh, and we're organized and 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 we have things, then I want them attacking, you know? and I want them getting crosses, and I want us to be able to make sure that we create chances. I want them having assists, and 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 there's a goal that we have in which. Uh, we want to get x amount of crosses per game on each side, and and for those guys to get into the attacking third. Uh, however, you know if they're not defending well, if they're only attacking and leaving huge holes in which we're going to get counter, and 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 give up goals, then that's that's irresponsible. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know we want them attacking. Don't get me wrong, because uh, whenever outside backs attack out wide, it's it's difficult and it spreads the team out and it gives us more options. But you know, they're not just gonna play as as attacking players and not defend. That's not so basically, uh, That's not what we're looking for.
0: So basically, not just for the sake of attacking.
3: No, no, no. It's not you're not just attacking for the sake no. We defend mm-hmm. and then we attack it and, and they need to be options. And listen, we're we are mandating that they get forward, that they get behind the defense and, and, and make sure. But we also have to be clinical when we're in the back line. And right now, you know, through our practices and stuff, we realize that our crossing needs to improve and, and that our passing even in the final third needs to improve because uh, what good is it if you're getting down there and you're losing the ball and you're creating and you're leaving huge holes in the back? So that, that that's about, so they need to be efficient. And like we said, you know, if, if you're efficient, you earn that right, mm. just like in any sport. I mean, uh, you, you notice in basketball, who shoots the ball are the guys who work at it, who are good at it. Other guys don't shoot as much because they're not good. So if if you're if you're a good crosser of the ball, if you're getting into the attack and you're being productive, then we want you to attack more because if we're attacking, that means we're defending less. But that doesn't mean that uh, we forget about defending, you know?
1: Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. So another another question that that I, I wanted to ask is actually it's it's a couple. So for you
3: So what are a couple? Come on man. <laughs> okay. What's going on? <laughs> All right
0: what was the, what was our biggest uh, the uh, improvement throughout all this preseason and what do you think we need to work on most and I think
3: Our, our biggest improvement has been our organization defensively um, you know uh, and obviously it showed whenever we played against uh, uh, the bigger teams the pro teams uh, so uh, when we played uh, Houston and when we played Motagua uh, you know we bled our goals so defensively we were a disaster and I think that uh, we have become so much more organized. We've become uh, uh, more cohesive. Uh, we defend in numbers. We're not just running around with our heads cut off. Uh, and, and so we're actually defending in, in, in blocks. And so guys are starting to realize and run the responsibilities because uh, they've worked hard. It's just we weren't working very uh, – uh, as a unit, and we weren't very smart about how we were defending. And that's the one thing that I'm pleased the most so that, that, that we are defending better. And I think we've shown that when, you know, in the last few games we had a couple of shout-outs and then even against uh, San Antonio where, you know, they had their chances and every team's going to create chances, but I think we minimized that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, and so that's the one thing I'm, I'm, I'm happy about. Uh, the thing that we need to work on is in the final third is, is combining, uh, having more combinations uh, in the offensive third, not just in the midfield or in, the, or, or in our defensive third. Uh, creating some chances and at the end is we're not going to win games if we don't score. So we need to, we need to do a better job as far as putting the ball in the back of the net. Uh, so, which is the hardest thing to do. And, and, and I think that uh, the the one thing that we can uh, as coaches, we can really work on a lot is our defensive shape and our organization. Uh, a lot of times, you know, uh, we can put them, we can train, we can do a lot of things to prepare them to score but what happens when you're in front of the goal and, and are you calm and collected? Are you, uh, you know, are you able to shoot? when it's the right time to shoot? Are you able to pass the ball off? The weight of the pass, all of those things are important that uh, that, that we need to get better at. And a lot of that also comes with just uh, guys playing with each other, relationships with certain guys who play better with certain guys and understanding each other. So that'll take, that'll take a little bit more time. And so, um, but we know that that's something that we need to improve on, and that's something that we've been touching up, uh, touching on, uh, particularly the last couple, you know, the last the last week or two.
0: Sounds really, really promising, and uh, you know, like I've told, like I've told you before, is like we know that we believe that you, we have the right person in charge for this, for this team, for this 2018 season, and uh, hopefully that the, the rest of the fans. Get get that idea uh, by by listening. You know all these interviews that you've been giving uh, to to the to the media, talking about uh, what we've been working on and and everything everything else. And uh, so, do you have a uh, message to to the fans that are listening right now uh, on this uh, podcast, as well as the ones who will listen in the future?
3: No, yeah. The the one thing is that um, you know we we need our fans. We need the support. Uh, it's it's unbelievable the energy that the fans give you when you're playing. You know what I mean. And and that's something that I understood when I was a player myself. That uh, when you feel, uh, you know, sometimes you're, you're 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 tired. Sometimes things are not looking so so great. But when you hear that and when you feel that energy and you're hearing uh, people cheering it and wanting you to do well, sometimes they will you to just mm-hmm. to 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 do well to, and to play better. Now, is it always going to be the case? No, that's not going to be the case because there'll be games in which it's just not there and that, and that happens. You know what I mean? The one thing is that what we want is if that's going to happen, it's, it's hopefully happens away. But when we're home, that doesn't happen in front of our own crowd in front of, in front of our home fans. We need to make sure that um, any team that comes to to our stadium feels it. You know that, that, that There's a little fear behind it not only from our, our play, not only from our team, but also because our fans are behind us. And, 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 and that's an incredible feeling. Um, now, you know, the only thing I can promise the fans is that we're going to have a team that doesn't give up. We're going to have a team that's going to work hard, that is going to represent, uh, you know, what this area is about. And, and, and that's important to me that um, any fan that leaves our, our, our stadium, whether it's a win, loss, or, or, or draw, realizes that our, our team left everything on the field and I think that if if we're capable of doing that we're gonna be we're gonna be success, we're gonna have more success than not you know uh, are we looking to go on I mean it's difficult to, to ever go on the field at home you know that's not easy uh, you know and, and I, but that's what we're striving for we're striving that you know we win every game at home and and that's the goal the goal is we want to make the game. We want to be an attacking team, you know, and, and we want to pull off uh, we want to pull off victories. Um, now, whether that happens or not, we'll see in the next. You know, we'll see what happens throughout the season. But but that's the goal, you know. That's the ambition, and that's what we want. So and, and that's the message that has been uh, dictated to the players. And so you know that's our mentality, and, and we'll see if we're capable of uh, of doing that. I mean, we're working towards towards it. Uh, every day, and, and that's what uh, that's what we're looking to do.
0: Well, really, we really appreciate, uh, Jason, for for coming on our, our show. You know, you 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 have a lot of time or a lot of stuff on your schedule, um, and for you to make time to to come and talk to the to us, to talk to the fans of RGV, um, we really really appreciate it. And we actually have so, uh, someone saying hi all the way from New Jersey, Judy. Uh, Judy. It says, uh, hi, Jerson, listening from New Jersey. Mucha suerte este viernes. So. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I know exactly who that is. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I'm sure you guys do, too. <laughs> yeah. Tell, yes. Uh, tell, tell, uh, please tell her I love her very much. That's my sister-in-law. She's a big supporter, and uh, thank you very much.
0: <laughs> Not a problem. Thank Thank you for for coming on, and uh, best of luck uh, on Friday. Please Sadly. tell her
3: to give a big kiss to my nieces for me, please.
0: <laughs> so, Judy, you heard him. Big kiss, uh, big kiss to his nieces. So, uh, good luck this Friday. Sadly, I won't be able to go because of work, but I'll be rooting all the way here in uh, in Houston, of course.
3: Thank you very much appreciate it guys thank you for having me and uh we'll hope to see uh, as many fans as we can uh, on friday
0: will do uh have a good night jerson and, and go taurus and say hi to all the guys down there for me thanks you jerson
3: I definitely will take care guys thank bye. you very much thank bye you bye.
0: goodbye so so what you think
1: right man in charge that's for sure oh definitely I, I really what he had to say was on point I mean you can't sacrifice attack. I mean, you can't sacrifice defense for attack. Um, you know, if you are, you're going to give up a ton of goals, and you know, you're going to struggle to get back into the matches. Um, you know, you may have a couple. You get out in front real early, but then you're just going to struggle. You know, when they when they counter and they score on you, you're just going to you're going to struggle. So I like that. I liked what he had to say about the outside backs. You know, and I, I liked his his. I liked his points about Derek. I felt Derek Luke. I felt that those were, were very pointed and very purposeful.
0: And we we it never came into our minds uh, from where we were looking at it because we were like on the behind the goal line and uh, down a uh, field level. We didn't see those those. It was
1: hard to see from a tactical standpoint. Yes. who was supposed to be covering who? Um, you know, I do think there were times that Luke was probably definitely or Derek was definitely stuck out on an island. Um, you know, kind of by himself out there on, a, on the, like you said, 3v1s, 2v1s. Yes. Um, and I, I think, you know, I, I know Jershon saw the times that I'm talking about where he wasn't left on an island and he just made a bad decision. But I also think Jershon, just listening to him, because he's got that understanding of the game at a, such a deep level that when you can import, impart that to your players – it just it speaks volume to the player volumes to the players the players are going to listen to what you have to say they're going to be more uh, more open to you giving direction and instruction whether it's mid-match during a match you know whether it's you yelling from the sideline or not they're going to be open to listening to what you have to say and they're not just going to ignore you because they feel like you're just yelling for the sake of yelling yes um, they're actually going to kind of tune into that what you have to say cuz they know that you're there not to harass them but you're there to help them become better players Um, And then I also liked what he had to say about the identity of the team, you know, that, um, you know, the identity of the team really ultimately comes down to we're going to work hard um, and we're going to be organized. And, you know, a lot of coaches don't really pay much attention to the organization side of it. You know, being an organized team, uh, organization and defense and offense are, are very similar at times, but they're also very different. And being able to instill that in your players it's a challenge, and you know we saw it really last match uh, against San Antonio, where you could see it was. And I, you know, I haven't seen the other RGV preseason scrimmages or anything like that, but just from talking to you, they were a dramatically better team from last year. Definitely, and all that is is just really Jershin. I mean, there's a couple of players that have been swapped out, but I mean that's a lot of just Jershin showing that he knows the game in a way to, to get the players to understand it and adapt it and adopt it, his style.
0: And not only that, you know, the fact that very few players from last season stayed. And so yeah. we have a bunch yeah. of new guys who are trying to learn a completely different system, uh, trying to get ma- back into match fitness in the case of uh, Derek Luke, and just to the fact that so like at such a short amount of time from them being in preseason seeing such a dr- dramatic improvement in the chemistry in in the in the talent that these players have you know that that falls also on the coach
1: yeah so the one thing i got out of what he was saying well i mean obviously i got plenty else but the, the one thing that stands out to me and i, I kind of caught it as he was talking about it and i wanted to call it out uh, so when he goes back and listens to this later he can smile um, he wants players to, he wants to be able to as a coach and as a coaching staff He wants to allow players and and push players to play to their strengths as opposed to trying to oppose the other team's strengths Mm -hmm. um, and trying to kind of diminish your weaknesses. He wants players that are, you know, he said it, if you're a good crosser of the ball, we want to make sure you're crossing the ball. If you're, you know, if you're good at, uh, you know, through balls and passing on the ground, we want to make sure you're doing that. That makes sense because you want players to highlight their strengths because, You're getting the most out of the players that you have no matter the level of talent, no matter how good those players are. If you can maximize what value you get out of them, then you're getting the absolute most you can get out of your team. And I think one of the things that we noticed also in the match is that this team is the sum of its parts. There's not necessarily a lot of superstar parts on this team, but what you have is you have a team that's operating like a team, defending like a team. He, He mentioned that. Defenders were falling in behind each other to help cover the, you know, cover the opposition coming at them and attack. You know, you had your defensive mids. If they were up high, you had defenders kind of, you know, shifting accordingly. And I think that's very important because you're not necessarily going to have superstars on your team that are going to be driving your team to the championship. But if your team plays as a team first and they focused on, they focus on organization and defending as a team, organized defense. If they focus on attacking as a team, I guarantee you that this team is going to be successful and going to be successful in the ways that Jershon wants. And it's no surprise. He's a great coach. He has, like I said, he's got that soccer mind. He's got that soccer understanding that's I think going to help this team become as good as they possibly can be. Um, and I look forward to, to keeping up with the team as much as possible and maybe making one or two trips out to watch the matches with you or otherwise. Um, and so, you know, I don't know. That's, that's just kind of what I take away from that conversation and, I hope I get to have more of those. He's a fantastic individual to talk to.
0: Oh, def- definitely, and hopefully, hopefully, he uh, we'll be able to have him back on as the season progresses. So, um, going back to the San Antonio match, any other thoughts?
1: No, that was really about it. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't have anything else. Sorry. I, I no, actually there is one thing I liked their stadium. I did. I liked the way that it was set up. It, you know, it wasn't great, uh, but it was uh, better than the Frisco Stadium, of course well uh, <laughs> harry liked it too uh <laughs> thank you, know, you harry. I, so it, it of course being two toyota stadiums they both are toyota field and toyota stadium they, they both are reminiscent of each other and i kind of mentioned this uh san antonio's toyota field reminds me of a kind of smaller toned down version of toyota stadium in frisco uh and it, it's you know just to me i like the way it was set up because it felt like a Oh, Harry's gonna kill me for saying that. It felt like a minor league soccer team stadium. It really did. It had that feel to it to me. Whereas when I go to Frisco I feel like I'm in a high school football stadium. <laughs> and I mean that honestly, and to be fair, it is a high school football stadium as well, but in San Antonio's it just feels like a soccer stadium first and it feels like you know, you, you go in and it, it it just it feels like a soccer stadium. Even if it like I said, even if it does feel like a minor league soccer stadium. I just, I went in and it was like, this is soccer. When we went to Frisco, uh, myself and a bunch of other people uh, with the Dynamo away supporters and everything, it just, you felt like you were walking into something other than a soccer stadium. So I just wanted to call that out. And I know Harry actually could probably appreciate that. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, that, that was my, one of my big takeaways was, you know, feeling like that. Yeah, that, Harry, that's exactly what I'm referring to. It's, you know, it feels like, and it is, it's a lower-level soccer stadium. And the
0: atmosphere's pretty great, actually. But the
1: atmosphere there was pretty great. And really, as many fans as they had showed up, I mean, no, granted, it wasn't a sellout, but it's also a preseason scrimmage match. You know, it wasn't a, you know, this wasn't a, uh, you were never going to have a sellout in the preseason unless these teams have hit that rivalry level where you just know they're all going to go at each other and, you know, yeah. like a slugfest type thing, but this and, was never going to be. And that to way. be
0: fair, you know, with the with the amount of years that both uh, clubs have have been uh, existing, you know, it's it we're not there yet. No,
1: no, no, no. And the rivalry is going to take a while to get there. But, uh, yeah, Harry, you're you're right. That's w- I didn't mean minor league in that way. I meant lower level soccer stadium. And it's it's, I mean, it just it felt good going in there. It really did. And 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 you know, it was a like I said. I mean, it was a very soccer atmosphere. It wasn't um you know like i said when i go into the frisco stadium it's like i'm in a soccer stadium this is soccer this is not what i think of when i think it's it's, not organic it's like suburb soccer yeah you know like yeah it it just it was it was awkward going to frisco but you know it's also frisco yeah um i'm gonna hop away now uh and leave you to rgv for the rest of your your thing but uh uh, again you know when Jershan listens to this back thank you jerson for definitely calling in and and uh, i appreciate you letting me share my (laughs) observations really cool, to be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you engaging and, and being willing to talk at that level um, and being willing to listen um, to input and, and things like that. That's that's a sign of a, of a coach who understands, you know, what his what his job and role is um, and, and what his purpose is as a coach. Yes. Um, and that's, Jershwin, there's not many people, you know, soccer or otherwise that get that at any point in their career, let alone this, you know, at this stage of his career. So mm-hmm. definitely wanted to
0: call that out. All right. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. And then we'll see each other. We'll see each other next time, which is in a couple of minutes after we finish. Yeah, this. exactly.
1: <laughs> like. I'm going to go help somebody with taxes. Oh, that sounds like fun. Oh, you know, totally fun. You to take a break. All right. So, I mean, we're at
0: the hour mark, right? Yes, we
1: definitely
0: Probably are. Well past the hour mark. All right. So, when we come back from break, we will be talking uh, with uh, Mitch Morris from the This Is Silly podcast. Uh, and also a member of the um, of the Saint Louisans, and we're going to be talking about uh, this Friday's uh, match, uh, the home opener between RGBFC and Saint Louis FC. So um, we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Don't go away. To, uh, Down the Valley, the- All right, guys. Uh, welcome back uh, to part two of this uh, episode eleven of Down in the Valley. Uh, we have another. We have a special guest. Like I said before, we went on break. We have uh, Mitch Morris from the This is Silly podcast. Mitch, how are you doing, man?
2: Good, man. How about you?
0: It's, it's, it's game week. Oh, definitely. I'm so stoked. I'm so stoked for it. And it, it honestly, it didn't feel as uh, dragging as other years, at least for me. I feel like these, these days it went by so quickly between the end of the season and uh, and uh, the home opener, and that's because we did not even make it to playoffs. <laughs> we
2: didn't either, and uh, we had the off-season drama of getting rid of the coach he shall not be named. <laughs> so, we, uh, so we had a really long off-season here, and it, it really was a struggle
0: so what what i was reading what i was actually reading is that you all also started from scratch as far as your roster
2: pretty much uh there was only what three or four carryovers and, and one of them ended up moving out uh uh, uh merkovich he ended up moving out at the, at the last moment so to speak so yeah there's there's a heavy turnover we kept uh, uh we kept christian Volesky, who was one of our top scorers. he was he was definitely one that we wanted to see kept. Uh, but uh, the big, the big names were brought in in the off season. And that really has made a difference, I think.
0: So you meant, you mentioned that uh, you, you all brought in a new coach. What, what are your, what were your initial thoughts on him?
2: It was interesting because he wasn't a big name. He wasn't the, uh, uh, the name that we, we'd had before and the names that were being bandied around. But, we were we were excited once we kind of got to learn a little bit of his pedigree and and especially after we got to meet him we uh, we were lucky enough to be at the introduction of him and he was on our podcast and talking to him he he kept preaching responsibility and accountability that mm-hmm. was the two words he kept repeating every single time and, and you started to hear his game plan and what he expects and and it's really that kind of coach that I think not only do players want to play for but fans wanna see because it's it's very much a system where it's accountable but aggressive. And, and we've sorely missed that here in St. Louis.
0: Definitely. So in your in your words, what were the reasons? Was it really that bad with this previous He Kushal not being named head coach? <laughs> <laughs> or what was it that, that gained him that that uh, hatred from the fans?
2: You know, it, it's weird because coming in, he had the pedigree. We all knew Pratique's history. He was the big name in the off season that you know nobody saw coming. So, to, for the front office to pull it off, it was ridiculous. But mm-hmm. but then we started to see little nuances, and, and we saw the reported diva act very early. And but our attitude, our, the attitude of the fans was, you can be a diva if you win,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and as time went on and we came out of the gate strong, the first five games were fantastic. And then we saw just uh, a breaking down of the system. The, the system wasn't working and they kept going at it. Mm-hmm. And we heard players getting in the doghouse for no reason, essentially, or for reasons that maybe we didn't see. And and you, the team just never seemed to have a chemistry, never seemed to gel. And it, And when the coach doesn't, answer questions, doesn't go to the public, doesn't go on radio shows, doesn't, you know, I, I'm not saying our podcast is be all end all, but, you know, to not even give us five minutes, mm-hmm. you know, you start to say, okay, why can't you be accountable? And there, there became rumors about him being upset that we didn't get an MLS team and that was kind of his goal. And as the season wore on and we kept having a running joke that every play was back into the left. You know, if a guy dribbled up and he got stuck, he didn't look for creativity. He didn't look for progression. Immediately, it went back to the defenders, back to the defenders, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and and you saw a team that was collapsing. And one of the end one of the end games, this is not a joke. He had six defenders in at one point in time. You know, wow. it, it, we talk about parking the bus when you know <laughs> when you need wins, and he's parking the bus. It was just, it, it was. Mind-numbing and frustrating, and there was no, like I said, no accountability, no questions. Uh, It was. It got to the point where at the end of the season, we couldn't get him out fast enough from a fan perspective.
0: So, would you say that he was uh, self hijacking the team or to to destroy it for some selfish reasons? Did you get that vibe? No, I I don't think so. I think it was just yeah. The phrase I kept using on our
2: show was from the 1980 uh, Olympic hockey team mm-hmm. when the uh, Russians were losing and they said, why are they making a change? And they, they said, he doesn't know how to lose. And I think that was Precky's biggest problem. He didn't know how to lose. He didn't know how to struggle.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And and when when his methods weren't working, he doubled down harder yeah. instead of exploring options. And it just, it just, I, I think the problem was is that I think he got in his own way most of the time. Yeah. And and it just it, it it collapsed, and you saw it on the players' faces, and that was the saddest part.
0: Yeah, because once you lose, once you lose the locker room, it's very hard to get it back, and so, so you just have to get rid of that bad apple. And uh, let's go ahead and leave that behind. So what are you, <laughs> gladly, what what are your thoughts on this team now? What have you seen from St. Louis in this preseason?
2: Well, the, the biggest thing is that accountability. We're seeing character guys being brought in: uh, Austin Marks and the return of Sam Fink from Oklahoma, uh, Corey Herzog, uh, Sean Reynolds. You know, you're seeing all these guys that are proven effective leaders, proven effective players. You know, they're they're not veterans as in long in the tooth; they're veterans as an experience. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing this system already develop and. and Through these preseason games, we're seeing that progressive, attacking football that we want to see. We're seeing players that go for it or are given an opportunity to be creative, but yet still be responsible defensively. It's it's very much the style of football that we've been craving terribly. Mm -hmm. I I think that it's going to be a lot more open and exciting. We're seeing a lot more play from the wings, which we've never seen. Uh, it's it's definitely a much more open, flowing style of play, while still being responsible.
0: So, who, what teams have you, have you played in this preseason?
2: So, this past weekend we played Louisville. Since we don't get to play them in our uh, in in the season with them being in the Eastern Conference, so we had a friendly against them, and that was Saturday, and that was a great game. You know, they're the defending champs. It was. You know, both teams rolling out the full squads, and it was it was a good game. It was back and forth. It was strong. There was mistakes, but it wasn't bad mistakes. It was just good good effective ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played SC Denver from the Colorado Premier League. Uh, we have a partnership with them now, where we're going to work with them on development. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came here for a two two series games. Uh, we played SIUE, who's a local powerhouse here college. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't go. We didn't go too terribly big this year in terms of playing other teams. It was more about seeing the team develop the chemistry, see the uh, you know make make it their home, and it seems to have worked so far.
0: So basically, just like you can see, kind of like uh, in boxing terms, the sparring just to get the feel of, it, of the team and uh, yes. each yeah. other.
2: Yes, absolutely. We were real. Uh, uh, you know, FC Denver. They're like I said, Colorado Premier League, so they're probably not at that level that you wanna really see, but we've got a great opportunity to see the uh the in and outs, the way the system's gonna work and develop and see guys making connections. So but but as great as those sparring partners were, like I said, going up against Louisville on Saturday, that's mm. that's no joke. That's that shows that we're ready for the season. Yeah.
0: That and that and that's that's a good that's a good thing after that. Ah oh, man, disaster! <laughs> so, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your thoughts on this on this uh, Friday's game?
2: I'm I, well. First of all, we're obviously excited, you know, because it, it's the season. But I, I think I think it's going to be interesting. Our starting our starting goaltender goal Gomez is out with an injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's back in training. He was you know a big signing in the offseason. Uh, but it sounds like he, he won't miss too many more games. Uh, so Jake Fenlinson's in goal. Uh, Jake, Jake's definitely an athletic, talented goalie, but doesn't quite have a lot of the, the top flight experience, but that mm. doesn't seem to matter for us a lot of times. Uh, our back line is very solid. Uh, it looks like we're going to be playing maybe three, three back or three with a, st- a sweeper kind of thing. Yes. But, uh, uh, you know, it's definitely going to be a, a spread out attack that we're, we're looking forward to seeing. Like I said, you'll see a lot of play, uh, my personal favorite guy out there right now is Austin Martz. He's, he's shorter, but he is one of the fastest players I've ever watched. Uh, you'll see him break down that right wing, getting the balls that he thought were going out of bounds.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: and, and not only that, but once he gets there, he makes great crosses. So uh, we're still wondering who's going to be the starting strikers. Uh, we've, got, we've got depth this year. You know, obviously, Corey Herzog's a, a known entity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christian Wileski back from last year. Kyle Gregg. Uh, Dakers, uh, Kadeem Dakers from uh, from Louisville and Cincinnati. You know we've got that. There's there's a lot of guys vying for that spot, and that's going to be the most interesting aspect is seeing who gets up there, who's clicking, and, and who's getting some action.
0: Yeah, definitely. So 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 you think that do you do you see St. Louis FC kind of waiting? And expected to see what Toros brings to the table, or do you see them trying to to be more more possessive of, of the ball, trying to be the, the the team in charge out on the field?
2: I, I think you definitely will see an attacking possession based game. Uh, there is definitely a high press going on, uh, but again, it's not over committing. It, it's definitely. They want to. They want to dictate the pace of the game and the flow, and they're going to try to put their print on it real quickly. All right.
0: Now you also got to remember, you're talking about South Texas. So I went. I oh. was, <laughs> now I was back there. I went back there last weekend, and uh, believe me. And it would, it actually came out uh, like somebody shared it on uh, on Twitter that McAllen, Texas was the was the first. Uh, official weather station to make it to 100 degrees this year. So oh my, <laughs> yes. So wow. that is going to be something that St. Louis is going to have to to realize that if they're <laughs> if they're unlucky, uh, if they're unlucky. We might get some of that uh, hot South Texas summer down down there on Friday, but um, although let me, if I'm pretty sure it's not, but so, what is the, are the St. Luligans going to be making the trip down to South Texas?
2: Uh, not in the not in mass. I think this one kind of snuck up on us. This was one of the trips that we wanted to make, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, being the first game of the season kind of snuck up on us. People weren't able to get time off from work and, and having a Friday night game kind of stunk up. But uh, I do believe that we've got a couple people going down. I think. I think at our AGM we figured out that we're only going to have like one game that there's not going to be an attendance at. So mm-hmm. I know that there's going to be a couple people down there. I'm not quite certain who. I didn't catch names. Yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, no. I think, like I said, you should see somebody down there with the Lulugens on Tour banner.
0: Yeah, definitely. And we'll, I'll make I'll be sure to tell uh, Johnny, our president, our Stampede president, to give them the, the best reception ever. And I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you you'll find this to be uh, very welcoming. Uh, to the St. Dooligans. So, uh, uh.
2: As long as you're welcoming on the field, that's all I care about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, highly doubt it. <laughs> so, so actually, I'm actually looking at the weather and it might not be a hundred, but the high for a Friday afternoon will be 91. And because the day before is going to be wow. rainy, expect a uh, high humidity. So it's going to be well, tough.
2: The- that'll prepare them for August in St. Louis at least. Cause that's, we're usually high nineties with a lot of humidity. So it's a good preparation for the summer then.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, um, you got uh, anything else you want, you want to add?
2: No, like I said, I'm, I'm excited for the season to get started. I, I, I wish we were playing you guys later on in the year. We're going to have been a good trip for us, but yes. you know, USL gods were not favorable to us in scheduling this year and we're getting kind of used to it. But, mm-hmm. uh, that's, yeah, we talked fine. about it last time. Yeah. yeah, you know, it, I look, at, I look at it this way: it's better than playing in Phoenix in August. So,
0: that that is definitely true. So, uh, any predictions, score predictions? You
2: know, we talked about it on the show last night when we did ours. Uh, I think Brad had two to one. I think Bird had two to nothing. And I think I had three to one. Us. So, so we're 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 expecting some goals. We'll see what happens. Yeah.
0: Uh, frankly I'm I'm expecting if it's not a tie then it'll probably win, it be a 2-1 for the Toros but I'm leaning, <laughs> but I'm leaning more of a uh, of a tie maybe 1-1 z- or 0-0 because from, All right. because from I'm, on here Oh definitely because from what I've seen from the Toros they're getting really good defensive uh, defensively as well we still haven't gotten the uh, the attack at its full potential, so that's why I think it's going to be a low scoring game, and it's probably more definitely going to be a tie. But then again, it's just me. I thought Tigres was going to make it uh, past Toronto, and they didn't.
2: <laughs> oh, so here in, in our in our private Facebook group, uh, looks like Jim Bellinger is one of our lulligans. He's going to be down there. He just took a picture of the stadium. So, <laughs> so we do have people down there. There you go. Perfect timing, Jim. <laughs>
0: All right, that, that's that's good to hear. And let him know, like, if he if he need, has some questions about R- RGV, uh, that I'm I'm willing to to help him out on Twitter.
2: I will let, I will pass it along. I know a lot of the guys are following you after our uh, connection on the last time I was on. So yeah, we're 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 all keeping tabs on you now.
0: <laughs> that's good to hear. All right, man. Well, thank thank you for for accept- accepting the invitation to be on the show, man. Really really appreciate that it. Anytime. And uh, best of luck to both teams. Best of luck uh, to you all this season. Uh, not tomorrow, not on Friday though, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but definitely we, we uh, hopefully to we get to see you all. Uh, at least be one of the potential playoff teams this this year. It'd
2: right. be nice if we can face in the playoffs when it means something.
0: Especially, especially if it, if it's uh, down down there in South Texas, uh, that way I can <laughs> actually that way I can actually make it to the game. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, when I found out it was gonna be a Friday, it's like oh no! And then and then the worst part is it's gonna it's the week where all of our all of our projects of work have to be due. So uh, leaving leaving early that uh, on Friday it was gonna be almost impossible. But oh well. All right, man. Uh, uh, cool. I have a good one. Uh, great show again. All right. Will do, man. Take care. Thank you, sir. Good luck. Good luck to you too. Goodbye. All right. So that was uh, that was uh, Mitch Morris from the uh, the This is Silly podcast. I uh, want to really th- thank him and thank you all all of those who are watching us right now. We got nine people watching. Be sure to drop a like on this video. Share it with your with your friends and be sure to subscribe to. Uh, down in the Valley uh, on uh, on YouTube, obviously, but also we are on SoundCloud. We are on uh, Twitter at Down in the RGV. SoundCloud is soundcloud.com/slash uh, Down in the RGV. We also have uh, Stitcher as well. Be sure to also check us out on Apple Music and uh, the Google Play Store for the actual podcast. Um, be sure to also check out our friends at uh, the Beautiful Game Network. Uh, be sure to check out the website at BGN.fm. Uh, follow all of the uh, other USL uh, podcasts like the USL show, uh, Sock, uh, Sock Takes, Back Chat Show, and many other really, really good uh, USL-themed uh, podcasts. And also check out uh, our BGN sponsor, which is uh, Roughneck Scarfs, uh, the official uh, scarf supplier for the MLS, USL, and NCAA. So we actually have a couple of questions uh, here from the chat. Um, so what it really, thank you, thank you guys, uh, whether it's from RGV here from Houston or from St. Louis. Really appreciate for you all to join us here uh, on Down in the Valley. Uh, thank you all for, 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 for watching. And uh, so we have a couple of questions. Uh, so the first one is, uh, what are the expectations record-wise? And is uh, 0. .500 realistic? Uh, I would say that point that 0. 500 is too low. I feel like we might actually get maybe 0. 0.65. We might actually have enough to make it to playoffs and uh, be a good compa- a good challenge uh, for the USL Cup. Granted, we also have to see what the rest of the Western Conference uh, offers uh, throughout these games, but I'm feeling really confident in RGBFC, just as long as we get things squared away as far as the attack goes. So one of the things I actually wanted to talk about is the fact that uh, today there was actually, RGBFC actually posted, actually USL posted RGVFC's official 2018 um, roster, um, and it's actually pretty interesting. We talked about some of the players uh, when we talked about the San Antonio match, but there's actually a lot of a lot of players here that have not been mentioned. And in fact, there's actually one that I actually received notifications at down in the RGV. He is. Um, He is an Argentinian, and his name is Matias Saldivar. Make sure to follow him at MatiasSaldivar9 on Twitter. I just followed him right now. So um, he is actually listed uh, by the USL as a midfielder. Uh, He will be wearing number seven. Uh, He is Argentinian. So the official roster for RGVSC so far is we have number one, Matt Sanchez, the Puerto Rican. We also have Nicholas Cordy, who is actually listed here as a Belgian. So we have that's two. I think Puerto Rico counts in it as an international roster. I don't know. I'll have to check. So, defenders, we have obviously we have Kai Green, our veteran. We have Robert Castellanos, which you've heard Jerson uh, Echeverri talk about. We also have uh, Manny Padilla, who is another Dynamo draft pick, Victor Garza, who I feel was actually going to be more of a midfield uh, th- uh, this this season. Uh, we also have Connor Donovan, number 20, number 24, Derek Luke, number 30, Omaro Tiveros, and number 32, Kyle Adams, the New Zealander. In the midfield, we'll have number 6, Jorginho James, the Jamaican, number 7, like I said, Matias Aldivar, the Argentinian, number eight, Nicolás Perea, who is a, col- a young Colombian, number 10, Pablo Aguilar, who is actually going to count as an American uh, by, in the eyes of the USL. Uh, he is uh, uh, of uh, Guatemalan descent. We also have uh, Jesús Enríquez, el Pichichi, uh, the Mexican coming in from uh, uh, the Sholos uh, Youth Squad. We also have uh, Todd Warden, another one of our uh, veterans, yeah, and we also have number 16, and this one comes to me as a surprise. Richard Dunkor, number 16, who is of Ghana, uh who is a Ghana. He is going to be playing the midfield. I'll have to see, I'll have to find out more information about this player. This is actually really interesting. Now, the what is more surprising for me, and I actually wanted to ask, but it totally went off my mind right now when I was talking with Gerson is we only have one forward, and that is John Montano. And that is the player that was playing on the right wing against San Antonio. And that is really troubling, the fact that we right now only have one attacker that, uh, that is an uh, official part of the roster, and he has not been playing that position. We lost. They released uh, Francisco Pungo last week, or, yeah, last weekend. Uh, they released Francisco Pungo. That uh, opens up an international slot for RGVFC. So it. So the question that I was given by uh, by uh, the Texas Soccer Journal, and I want to give him a big shout out because he's the one that that uh, notified me and Carson about the the roster. But his question was, will this Signify that we'll be seeing Max Steve's coming down from RGV, uh, coming down to RGV from Houston Dynamo. And my question to be for, for that is that I find it unlikely because the Dynamo also has that problem of lack of death in the forward position. We only have, uh, as a true forward besides Max Steve's is Mauro Manotas, and so. We saw that moving um, Albert Aliz to the striker position, we lose that firepower. So I'm pretty sure that Max Steves is going to be staying in, um, in 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 the Dynamo. He might get some minutes in RGV, maybe, but we'll ha- we'll have to see how what what happens, what the Dynamo uh, decides, because they usually decide on a week to week basis who who moves down. Uh, and who uh, who goes up from RGV to the Dynamo? Um, another qu- uh, wait, totally. oh, another question is: Will we be seeing a lot more of Charlie Ward coming down, and all these other XRGV players that are not getting minutes with the Dynamo? Will be will the Dynamo be more willing to send these players down to get some minutes? And I've mentioned it before: is that having minutes is extremely extremely imperative for these players to when the dynamo requires uh, of them, whether it's open cup or due to, due to injuries that they need minutes to be, to be able to get used to the, uh, to, to playing, to have match fitness that don't get tired too easily, or for example, not making as many mistakes as they would uh, uh, when they're not playing. So Charlie, uh, Charlie Ward is an, is, is uh, an example of a player that I would love to see uh, down down here. Um, because, I mean, they don't call him Clockwork Charlie for nothing. So um, Harry asked me a question. He says, does Coach Schiaverick have a better feel for Archie V than the previous coach, uh, Junior Gonzalez? Definitely. Uh, he is more involved with the community, more involved with the fans, more involved with the media than Junior Gonzalez. Junior Gonzalez had the same recycled crap every week. Oh, we know what we did wrong. We'll be fixing it. And that's all he said. That's all he said every time that he had, there was a, a video interview of him. That's all he said. He never left that script. Whereas Jerson, he's more open to to more truthful, more honest about what he sees out on the field. Um, what he liked, what he didn't like, and so that gives me that that big j- difference in the accountability. That's one of the words that Mitch Morris said about his their new coach. But the accountability and the transparency from this uh, this coaching staff is miles miles better than what we had under Junior Gonzalez, and. Thankfully, I'm really, really thankful that he, he took the job uh, with LA Galaxy. And it might sound horrible for me to say it, but, you know, that's what I feel. And uh, even though a lot of people, when they first announced Jerson, uh, felt really, really like, like, wait, you're bringing us a coach from college? You know, you have to give him a chance. And if first impressions... Uh, you know, are as they say very important. I think he passed, you know, with flying colors. Just the, all that knowledge that he has, uh, and what and that specific kind of mentality and what he looks at for the players. He wants players that will never give up fighting. You know that gives that gives me a lot more hope for this team than I than I did under under Junior Gonzalez. Just the fact that we actually gave Robbie Sagel minutes, and I always keep on going back and bashing him, but that's how bad and unprofessional he was. So I just actually received note that we have three pairs of tickets to give out for Friday's game against St. Louis FC, and I will be uh, giving uh, out one pair uh, right now uh, on the show, and I'll be giving out the other two pairs uh, tomorrow during the day, uh, on my social media, so uh, be prepared. Uh, I will be uh, ask. I will ask the question right now. So everybody who's here uh, on the chat, who's watching, if you are interested in going to Friday's game at HEB Park uh, for the season uh, home opener against St. Louis FC, be sure to uh, uh, be sure to keep watching uh, right now while I while I give the question, uh, and you can win one of three pairs of tickets to this this friday's game uh so be sure to also uh send us your questions uh as well uh that you want for for me for, for me to answer uh another another um important information that i got is the fact that all right where was this oh oh they actually sent us some highlights let me go ahead and uh put it up on the chat. So hopefully it works. Yes, okay. So right now I just put on the chat what are highlights of uh, Matias Salivar, So you all be the judge. I have not watched it yet, but you all be the judge of, uh, of Matias Saldívar whether he'll be a good addition for the club. Uh, Yes, Harry, you can can go and root for St. Louis if you want. I don't really care uh, what you do with those tickets or who you're going to root for, as long as you actually go to the game. That's all I ask. If you win the tickets, go to the game. Go support uh, RTV or go support St. Louis if you want. Or just go there and watch just a good soccer game. So... Let me go ahead. Let's let me go on on break while I think of the of the question, and uh, we'll be we'll be back to close out the show. Don't don't leave yet. Oh, be sure to also drop in any questions that you have or anything you want to talk about. Do you want me to talk about Concacaf Champions League? Do you want me to kind of vent about what I saw yesterday with Tigres? What do you think of the, this uh, this surprise that two MLS teams have already uh, eliminated Liga MX teams? Uh, from um, from the Concacaf Champions League. So we'll be back to close out the show. Don't go away just yet.
2: Hey, my name is DJ Casner. D- D- you're listening to-, to Down in the Valley.
0: All right, so welcome back. So I have, it's going to be an easy question. Very easy for for you all. So we know that we got a new, a new player. We got a couple new players. So my question is, what college did Kyle Adams go to? What college did he play at in his collegiate career? The first person to answer me in the chat will win the first pair of tickets to Friday's game. So, on your mark, get set, go. So Harry says uh, he's not able to go. Uh, Have a good night. We'll watch again on the podcast or on the YouTube channel. Harry, thanks a lot for joining us, man. Uh, It's really it's a pleasure for for you to uh, watch uh, watch this uh, podcast and. Give, give us the benefit of the doubt of being able to provide you with uh, USL News. Um, so, we still haven't gotten anything yet. So, LB says that last year's record was 9-8-15. I would say we will probably get uh, 14 wins. I, all I, all I got to say is that we're not going to get 15 losses. I'll leave it at that if anything, we're probably going to get like eight losses and a little bit more wins as well as uh, ties, but not that many losses. Uh, In fact, yeah, I would say like maybe at the most eight losses this next season. So guys, I still have not gotten any answers uh, for for that question. I will leave it out there. So let's go ahead and go with some uh, USL news. if there are any, let me go ahead and access the uh, USL website. Um, one of the things is that apparently, so I was talking to Car- uh, Carson. If y'all uh, kept watch last last time, that uh, Las Vegas won, lost. Edgar Herrera Lugo, like he just he just stopped going, which is uh, which is really surprising. But let's go ahead and talk about so the usl today uh actually released an article talk called the usl top five Defend- defenders to watch and in that list we have none other than kai green from our uh, our own kai green of RGVFC. and uh so they go on and say green went under the radar in 2017 but put up some very impressive numbers for a tourist defense that had its struggles in the clubs uh, second season, racking second in, second in the league in tackles one with 73, while also racking up 168 duels won, 75 clearances and 51 interceptions. Green maintaining his level will be crucial to the side, rebounding back into playoff contention this season, but the 24 year old should be one to watch over the course of the season regardless, as he's reunited with former Seton Hall University head coach, Ger- Gerson Echeverry. So, it's about time that a player actually got recognition from the USL, and uh, he deserves it. You know those numbers; those numbers don't lie. He was one of the, you can say, the diamonds in the rough from uh, from last season. The few players that actually stood out, and it's good to have to have him back for 2018, and hopefully the fact that he's reunited with his uh, college coach will be a bigger motivation to do much better this year than than what he did last year, which was pretty decent enough. Uh, Other players in consideration, of course, were Colin Falvey from the Tawa Fury, uh, Joe Greenspan from the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, Forrest Lasso of FC Cincinnati, uh, and Paco Craig from Louisville City FC. So he's out there with some really, really uh, good players. All right, let's check the chat. Harry, from my point of view, Profit is more prepared and better communication with players. Definitely. So I have so no, no responses so far. So I'll be going ahead. I'll go ahead and uh, give out the, the three pairs of tickets during the course of tomorrow. And so, so be prepared. Be sure to follow us uh, on Twitter at Down in the RGB. Uh, follow us on Facebook at Down in the RGB, Down in the Valley, uh, facebook.com uh, slash Down in the RGV. Uh, follow us uh, as well on Instagram, R- fans, uh, which uh, I co-admin. Uh, follow, uh, follow the Stampede, RGB underscore Stampede on Twitter. They also have Instagram, so be sure to check them out as well. Follow our friends uh, from the uh, Beautiful Game Network uh, at the B the VGN Ugh, can't even speak now at the BGN FM on Twitter. Uh, f- check out their website at uh, bgn.fm where you can check out my podcast as well as uh, other USL podcasts like the USL Show and Sock Tapes. Uh, also check out uh, our the BGN's sponsor, which is. Uh, Totally lost my train of thought. Check out the BGN sponsor, which is Roughneck Scarfs, who are the official scarf supplier for the MLS, USL, and NCAA. So we'll go ahead and wrap up uh, today's episode right now. And thank you all for for joining us. Thank you, Harry. Thank you, LB. Uh, Thank you uh, to my dad, Javier Ochoa. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Ray. Uh, Really appreciate your feedback. Uh, Thank you, Johnny. And uh, thank you, A.B. Vernon 80. Thank, uh, thank you all for listening all the way from St. Louis. <laughs> so um, we'll see each other next week. Uh, this Saturday, this Saturday, we will have a pregame match for the Houston Dynamo game against uh, D.C. United. It will The game actually starts at 1230, I believe, Central Time. So we should be going live May, early in the morning. So be sure to check that out, out as well with the guys from The Peel. Um, also, uh, check us out on, on Apple, Mus- uh, Apple Music as well as uh, Stitcher and Google Play Store. Uh, check out the podcasts there. Uh, if you are interested in sponsoring us, be sure to contact me uh, on my email at, at edson at down in the Uh We will be uh, providing, uh, hopefully in the future as the season progresses, we'll be finding uh, more uh, hard-coded data uh, on... Uh, how down in the valley is progressing. Uh, be sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel. It's brand new, brand spanking new. This is actually going to be the first video on it. Um, but that way we can actually be extremely focused uh, on RGV. Also check out my website, uh, down at the We will be uploading, uh, articles, uh, about the game, uh, the games during the season, uh, photos, uh, that we get interviews, uh, you can actually uh, access our podcasts there as well. So check out down in the RGv.com um, a big shout out to Cesar uh, who will hopefully have more time uh, to be av- to be our photographer during the season now that- with his new job as well as Ray Silva who's also going to be collaborating with his articles on uh, on down at the RGB.com. So really appreciate you all for taking your time out of this uh, f- uh, Wednesday night uh, to uh, join me. Uh, and Sean as well. I want to thank him. even though he's, he's not here at the moment. He's kind of busy. So thank you all for tuning in. Um, like I said, go follow all our, all of our social media. Uh, and, uh, I expect a lot of you, I expect the stadium to have a decent attendance, uh, this, this Friday. So be sure to go out there, be loud and be proud of the Toros. And, uh, Keep the banter friendly, of, co- uh, of course, uh, zero violence, and uh, be very, very, very uh, welcoming to the St. Louis fans that will be making the trip. <laughs> Cesar, hablando del Rey del Roma, y aparece Cesar. Dude, really appreciate it, man. Really appreciate uh, your work that you that you did uh, at the Dynamo game, and uh, hopefully we'll, you'll be able to collaborate uh, during the season. <laughs> with, with, with your photos. Um, so until next time, my name is Edson Ochoa, and this has been episode 11, a down in the Valley. Be sure to also leave your comments, uh, and because we're always striving to be, uh, better and bring you the best RGVFC coverage. Or that's, at least that's what we're striving to and itty bitty steps, but we'll get there eventually. Have a good night, guys. Dios los bendiga. We'll see each other next Wednesday. Uh, or if you're a Dynamo fan, on Saturday. Take care.